0: This is
1: It's why Jesus had to die. It's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. And the Father said, I would love for there to be another way, but there isn't. And only is through Jesus' death and resurrection. And that is why I believe, and I am absolutely positive that what Jesus said is true, that the church will always survive, the called out remnant of people, no matter what goes on in the world, because there will always be people who realize, one, I am a sinner, and two, Jesus died for me.
0: Once you explain what being a sinner is, you don't have to convince most people that they're sinners. Everybody knows that they aren't perfect. The question is what to do about it. That's what is so awesome about having the option of following Jesus. His death and resurrection fix the problem of sin. That's what Pastor Daniel's going to be teaching on today. He'll show you how suffering plays into all of this as well. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Romans, chapter 5, as he begins his message, Persevering in the Midst of Suffering. Jesus is
1: real. You know, one of the things I love so much about the Bible and about the Word of God and about Jesus is that Jesus doesn't always tell us the things that we want to hear. He often tells us the things that we need to hear. And that's an important reality because we live in a day and age where, by and large, we don't wanna talk about uncomfortable things. We don't really like talking about challenging things. But if we're gonna be honest about life and about what goes on in life, sometimes uncomfortable and challenging things, they need to be discussed. This book that I just released called You're Gonna Make It, my goal was to have a prophetic utterance over life to tell people, listen, you're going to make it, not because we can make it, but we can make it because Jesus has already made it. And for the people of God, being able to hold on to the reality that because Jesus died and rose again, God has a plan. He's working out his purposes, and oftentimes he's working out his purposes through situations that were not uh, joyful, they're not uh, expected, definitely not what we want. And so today I'm going to talk with you about one of the big areas. Really, the book has three sections that we look at this through, but I'm going to talk about maybe the least popular one, which is the area of suffering. Now, as I begin this journey with you today, I want to first say that for those of you who are in seasons of suffering right now, what I'm going to share is in no way trying to minimize the pain that is there, the discomfort, the, the doubt that might come along with it, or the great faith. Because I realize when we're talking about suffering, especially when we're in a season of suffering, you kind of be like, oh, well, Fusco, that might be great, but you just don't even know. And I realize that I don't. And if you are going through a season of great suffering, let me just first say that I am truly sorry and we are praying for you. Make sure you email us those prayer requests. Come and talk to the prayer folks after our gathering. We want to be able to pray for you. You're not alone in this. Now, in the same way, there's some of you might be like, well, you know, Fusco, talk about suffering's great, but like there ain't no suffering going on in my world right now. And if that's you, we say, praise God. And you want to be able to train before the race. Because whether we like it or not, times of suffering is a component of life on this side of eternity. And so if you're not going through a season of suffering, you need to hear what we're gonna talk about today because you wanna be able to have foundational, theological, biblical, spiritual ideas that when these things start to happen, you now have a foundation to build life upon. Now, I'm gonna tell you exactly where all of our suffering comes from because it would be wrong of me not to There's one huge problem that is the root of all suffering, and that is what the Bible calls sin. Now, I am not saying that the suffering that you are enduring or might potentially endure is necessarily because of your personal mistakes. See, we oftentimes, when we think of sin, that word sin literally means to miss the mark. Actually, the English word comes from an archery game, or maybe because we're not old in English, or maybe you are, and if you are, God bless you, but uh, even almost more like if you've ever played darts, there's a bullseye, right? Anytime you throw that dart, if it doesn't hit the dead center, that would be called a sin. It just missed that center mark. Now, we have a tendency to individualize the idea of sin, like the sins that I commit, the mistakes that I make. But the Bible doesn't only talk about sin in the sense of personal mistakes, it actually talks about sin as a nature that we have received from our first parents, Adam and Eve, where it is a overriding way that we live our lives because we live in opposition to God's established purposes and plans. I know that sin is the root of all suffering because if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, where the Bible begins, where all that we see begins, we have the creation account, Genesis 1 and 2, and then automatically you get into this account in the Garden of Eden where God is telling Adam and Eve, listen, you can eat anything you want, it's paradise. This is like Whole Foods and Costco and Chucks and whatever your favorite store is, the farmer's market. Everything's free, you can have all of it, except for one tree, don't eat that. And of course, you know the story, because the serpent came, he tempted Eve, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they immediately, they were ashamed, and they covered themselves up, and they hid from God. And then when God shows up, and God finds them hiding and covered up, feeling shame, God explains to them the effects of this decision. And if you read what happened to Adam and Eve, it's all about the life that was meant to be a life of joy and unbroken fellowship is now going to be a life of suffering. Where Adam is going to have to work and there's going to be thorns and thistles and he's going to have to work hard for the earth to bring forth its fruit. So work becomes an experience of suffering. Of course, for Eve, she finds out that childbearing involves suffering. There's going to be marital struggle. Adam and Eve are going to have issues. And that's just me picking the tops of the waves. If we were to go through all of what God said to Adam and Eve there, you see all these other things, all these areas of suffering. But it's not that your suffering comes from necessarily only your sinful actions. Sometimes it does. Sometimes we do something wrong, it has ramifications and effects, and that's what it is. I was just talking to someone recently, and they've been struggling with addictions, and they got in some trouble, and I'm like, listen, you're gonna have to walk through this, but obviously this is the fruit of your actions. So you want to walk through this, but this isn't the end of the story, but you got to walk through this. You've got to get clean, all the different things. Because sometimes our individual decisions have effects that come with it, consequences. But also we live in a world that has been stained by sin, warped by sin. So now what you have is you have sin in the system, so to speak. The system is broken. broken. Like, every time you hear of a cataclysmic thing or some sort of a nature situation, right, you realize that, like, you know, if even you look at the, the Northwest fire map, which I do weekly just to pray, like, hey, where's there fires in our area? How can we pray? You know, and you realize if you look at the cause of them, oftentimes it's lightning. That's not necessarily anyone's fault that lightning struck down. So what you have is that you have, there's a brokenness in all of the creation. Creation is experiencing the futility. That's the effect of sin, in the same way, we also have when you have sinful individuals and they collect together, then you have the institutionalizing of sin, which we see all the time. People struggle with this, but it's like, no, like if you're thinking biblically, what you have is you have individual sin and then they get collected and then you have the institutionalizing of all sorts of struggles. Just look at history. You can see all sorts of them. You're going to look in the future. They're going to look back on this day and say, Oh, this stuff was all messed up. This isn't the way it's supposed to work. So you have the institutionalizing of this sin nature. And then, of course, don't ever forget the fact that you also have a spiritual realm where the personification of sin is who? Satan and the demons and we've been talking about in the book of Revelation. And so you have it happening on a spiritual level as well. So all of our... Suffering is actually rooted in sin as a problem, a concept, a reality. And that affects us personally, it affects us socially and politically, it it, it impacts us spiritually. And because of that, we have suffering of all sorts that come, whether it be physical suffering. Remember Adam and Eve, they were created to live forever. So anytime you have some sort of a debilitating illness, all this stuff that goes on, that's the effects of sin. We were created to live forever powerful. So it happens on the personal level with personal suffering. You have emotional suffering. You have mental suffering. You have financial suffering, relational suffering. And I can go on and on and on. But because we live on this side of Adam and Eve's mistake in the Garden of Eden, the question becomes, what do we do now? And what I have, I'm always learning because of who Jesus is. And what I really want to unpack in the book you're going to make it is simply that because we live in a world that is full of suffering, what do we do now? Now, what a lot of people want to do is they want to say, man, the world is full of suffering. This is lousy, and so I'm just going to throw in the towel, and I'm not going to engage life, which is, we've talked about it, which is that jaded, cynical, hard-hearted way of living that is not the abundant life that Jesus came on a rescue mission to die on a cross, to be resurrected, to ascend into heaven, to give us a spirit that we would live. So obviously, there's got to be another way. And the Bible explains it to us. So in order to show it to you, I want you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We're going to take verses 1 to 5 together. Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. I want you to read along, because this passage gives us a great framework for how we ought to look at suffering. Now, I was talking to someone, they said, well, Fusco, if you're doing the You're Gonna Make It series, are you teaching us what's in the book? And the answer is yes and no. What I made what I wanted to do, I made a point for this series, is I didn't want to take passages that I unpacked in a major way in the book. So I figure, why would I do that? And and the Bible's so full of all these truths that there's so many things that I didn't talk about in the book specifically, so I wanted to tease them out here. So listen to what it says: Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says this: It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And then it says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now, really what we see here is that you and I, we need to let Jesus transform our suffering. Because you see, before we hit in verse three, where it says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. That word tribulations can be translated afflictions or some of your translations have sufferings. It's All the same word. Before we land there, we see that Jesus came to do a work in us. Remember I said that all of suffering is rooted in sin. And that's the very reason why we have faith in Jesus, why we believe in Jesus, why we worship Jesus, is because Jesus' mission on the earth was a lot of things, but primarily it was to deal with the universal human and uh, cosmological, if I could say, problem of sin, Look at what it says. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things I love, I've been studying the Bible for about 25 years now, and I love studying the scriptures. But sometimes when the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, it's like he just, his economy of language, he says so much in such short spaces. Like verse one, you could spend your whole life just unpacking what he says in verse one. And so I'm going to try and do it in about five minutes for you. We all praying? Yeah, okay, amen. You're like, you can't do it in five minutes. please. Let me jump on in. Notice it says, first you have been justified by faith. Now that word justified is a big biblical word and it literally means The simplest way is to take the word justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Justification is the biblical word for although we were guilty before God of sinfulness, we are declared not guilty because of who Jesus is. Jesus took our punishment for our mistakes. I remember when I was in college and I was exploring things spiritually. I was very aware of my own failings, mostly because I lived in New Jersey, and if you mess, messed up, everyone told you that was the dumbest thing they'd ever seen anyone do in their whole life, and they didn't really worry about your feelings. So I was raised with like people who were like, that was dumb. Gosh, you couldn't think of a stupider thing to do. That was the way I was raised. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying you always knew where you stood, and most of the time, you stood wrong. That's what I learned, <laughs> right? So, so the, the, the idea of my own sinfulness was not challenging for me. It was just, what do we do with it? Like, what do you do with it now? And at that point, I was in my early 20s. I already—I didn't know Jesus, so I went through my teenage years outside of Christ without any real Christian influence. So you can just imagine where I was at. But what I realized is that the reason Jesus is so important is because I carry around the debt from all of the mistakes that I have personally made. My wrong reactions and motivations, let alone my straight-up overt nonsense. And I, if I were to stand before God, the righteous and holy judge, and he would uh, say, well, this is Fusco's life, and he started listing down just the mistakes of the last day or so, is he guilty or not guilty, man? He would be like, man, you are guilty. We're locking you up. We're throwing away the key. We're gonna pretend like you didn't even exist. You're so messed up. But that's not the end of the story. Because maybe your life wasn't as crazy as mine was, but you got your own stuff. That if you were to stand before God at that moment, you'd be declared guilty. And that's exactly why Jesus came. Because God said, I'm going to hold you to your sin, but you can't pay the debt, so I'm going to give that to Jesus. And we've been justified. And it says, we've been justified by faith. Faith is the hands that receive the gift that God wants to give us. The gift of salvation. Faith is us experiencing what Jesus did for us and saying, I want that applied to my own life. And it says, because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. So our faith is in Jesus because Jesus is the sacrifice for us. Jesus is not only our example, but Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. It's why Jesus had to die. It's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. And the Father said, I would love for there to be another way, but there isn't. And it only is through Jesus' death and resurrection. And that is why I believe, and I am absolutely positive that what Jesus said is true, that the church will always survive, the called out remnant of people, no matter what goes on in the world, because there will always be people who realize, one, I am a sinner, and two, Jesus died for me. It's the gospel. And because of our faith in Jesus, we have been declared not guilty because Jesus took the burden of guilt upon himself. And that's why it says, because of that, we says we have peace with God. And that's very powerful, my friends. What Jesus did on the cross is not only justify us, but he took us, although we were God's enemy, now we're at peace with God. People struggle with this today, especially in our day and age, because we live in a world that says, God will accept you because you're human. And we definitely live in a world today that says, however you are, it's okay. You do you, I'll do me, no one's allowed to tell me otherwise. But the thing is, that might be what our culture believes, but you know it really doesn't believe that because if you don't believe what they believe, then they definitely don't say you do you. You realize that, right? And our culture has such a lack of ability to reflect on its own actions, So listen, who are you to tell anybody what to do? And then God forbid you do what they don't want you to do and then you see what happens. It's very unique. But they're like, oh no, no, that's just the consequences of you not being like me. It's like, hold on a second, time out. See, what we realize is that God as a holy and perfect God, our sinfulness creates a severing in the relationship. It's just the way, if you have a loved one Maybe it's your brother, maybe it's your sister, maybe it's your folks, or maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it was your former significant other, or whatever it is. If they do something that is hurtful, is there a severing in that relationship? Absolutely. If they say things that are inappropriate, they do things that are inappropriate, does that break the relationship down? Does it erode the trust in that relationship? Absolutely it does. And we have this tendency to think I can do whatever I want and God is absolutely good with me because God made me. It's like, no, no, no. Ask any parent. You love your kids. You're not always good with what they're doing. And if you don't believe me, you can call my dad. (laughs) Just call him on the phone. Be like, listen, you love your son. Did you agree with everything he done? No, 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 no. There's a severing in the relationship. And because of sin... Not only the cultural sin and the institutional sin, but now the sin that I commit, there is a severing. There is not peace and unity with God. There is enmity. There is a division. And because of Jesus and his death on the cross, now we have peace with God through Jesus and what's amazing is, not only we have peace with God, in verse two it tells us, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Because of Jesus, not only we have peace with God, but now we have access to God. Now my friends, this is killer. This is the best ever. Think about the ways that we want access. I mean, I realize that Sunday. Sunday traditionally was church day. It's also football day. Now imagine if you like football, now I know some of you don't like football, and that's okay, you don't have, I'm not, it's just an example. If you like football, imagine if you went to the game and you had access to the locker room. You had access to the sidelines. You'd be telling that one, man, it's so cool. I'm going to the Hawks game, and I'm going to be standing on the sideline. You guys be up in the nosebleeds, I'll be there sideline, giving high fives, grabbing the football, running away, whatever you do with it. Access is an amazing thing. Imagine if you had access to whoever you think is important in the world. And the beauty is, is your Bible just told you that each one of you, because of the finished work of Jesus, you have access by grace, through faith, to the creator and sustainer of all things. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) And not temporary access. God has opened the door for each one of us, no matter what our background is, no matter where we've been, he has opened the door for us to know him and be known by him. He is saying, listen, I want you to live your life in my presence with access. When you need wisdom, you can ask of me. When you need help, you can ask of me. And what's amazing is the peace with God and the access to God. Then look at the end of verse two. And we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And we've been talking about this all through, you're going to make it, that need to hold on to hope. You can rejoice in hope, in God's glory. And for someone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus, you realize God's glory because the fact that Jesus died and rose again and that Jesus can redeem people like you and me, this is such amazing, amazing. And because of that, then it says, and not only that, but we also glory in sufferings. Huh. Huh. Now, at that point, everyone was getting all hyped up, and everyone's like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Because it's all exciting until it's like, but now, now Jesus can transform our suffering. This reminds me, 1 Peter chapter four, verses 12 and 13 says it this way. Again, strange Bible verses. Beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. These are the crazy verses of the Bible. I call them that. I remember when I was first reading the Bible and I would read this stuff, and I would just be like, okay, like I didn't have a background in it, so I wasn't trying to make it be true or not. I would just be like, man, that's a crazy concept. First, he's saying you shouldn't think it's strange when sufferings happen. That's the first thing. Do so you want a tool in a world full of suffering? Don't think it's strange when it happens. It's part of what it is. But then he says, he says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Now, what he's saying is that not all of the sufferings are us partaking in Christ's sufferings, but there will always be aspects of our suffering that are, in a sense, Jesus' suffering. Because at the cross, Jesus took all the punishment for all the sin of the world upon himself.
0: Jesus is real. You know, it's easy to poo-poo someone else's suffering thinking that what you're going through is so much worse than what that person seems to be dealing with. But Pastor Daniel reminded you that each person's vexation is their own and it's difficult for them to deal with. What he tried to get you to focus on today was your attitude toward your suffering. And he gets you to learn to take a more active rather than passive stance toward your adversity. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here.
1: I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400
0: and my team will get in touch with you. We wanna get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more from Romans 5 as he continues his teaching, persevering in the midst of suffering. He'll be teaching more on the concept of suffering, but he's going to remind you that unlike the people of the world who have to look to themselves to find the solution to their misfortunes, the follower of Jesus has access to the one who has all of the answers and is the source of the strength you need to overcome your ordeals. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called You're Gonna Make It. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.